Welcome to episode 5 of That Classical Podcast. This time, modern classical music. Hello! Hello! Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. Episode 5, man. Episode 5, here we are. That is half of 10. That is as many as so half of 10. we're really getting there. What's happening today? <laughs> today, guys, we're talking about modern classical music now That's before right. wait, just hold the phone because modern but i thought classical feel, music was old what well yeah but I, I feel like when you tell people oh you know modern classical music they automatically think like weird alert weird attack it's gonna be weird music yeah and um <laughs> some, know, some, some of it is some of it is don't get us wrong i mean as we'll demonstrate uh, later today <laughs> um but for me anyway um i think when you talk about modern classical music, it is sort of more of an umbrella term yeah. for a lot of different genres inside of that. So exactly. that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we'll give you a nice little, um, we'll give you some variety. Well, it's not going to be the last time we talk about, in inverted commas, modern classical music. No, no. there are just four pieces. Yeah, no, there's, there's a whole lot <laughs> more going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're all doing stuff basically from the latter half of the 20th century into the 21st century is... It's sort of what we're going to be chatting about today. It is indeed. So let's crack on with it then, shall we? Let's do it. Chris, you're starting, I believe, today. Indeed I am. So uh, the first piece we're going to play to you today is by a chap called Eric Whittaker, who's um, an American composer. Uh, so he was born in 1917, and he's, um, fair to say, he's probably best known as a choral composer at the moment. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, he's so- also, um, excuse my French... Rather dishy. He's a bit of a dreamboat. He's, <laughs> he's got these bit, beautiful he's a bit of a dream blonde boat. locks. You know who, who he reminds me of is um, Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones a little bit. Don't watch Game of You're Thrones. You're welcome, Eric. Oh, dear. Well, everyone else on, on the planet knows. Sorry, do continue. <laughs> anyway, um, so Eric Whittaker is, I mean, he's written a whole bunch of other stuff too, but is like largely known for his choral writing. Mm. Um, he is prolific. He has written a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, often, at some... a scarily young age as well. It's obsessive. It's isn't it? really, yeah. really depressing. How young? Like twenty-one. And yeah, things. he was like twenty-one when he first got published. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing great. <laughs> oh, we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the um, the piece that we're going to play for you today is um, it's a selection of it's called five Hebrew love songs, basically, um, and really Ooh. sweetly they were written for him by his then girlfriend, now wife, uh, a soprano called Hila Plitman. Um, and yeah, he asked her to write him these sort of five snapshots, basically these po- poetic snapshots. Um, and so we're going to listen to the fourth of these five. It's called Eiza Sheleg. Um, and the text that you'll hear, so it starts off with, the, the text actually isn't uh, sung, it's spoken. And it means, what snow like little dreams falling from the sky. Oh, stop it. It's beautiful. Stop it, you. Stop Just it. stop it. You're making me blush. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Wait, wait, sorry, just... sorry. Can I clear yeah. something up? Because I honestly, this is, this is the first time I've heard this, listeners. Um, if she wrote them for him, what did he write? He wrote the music. Oh, sorry, she so wrote the, sorry, wrote she wrote the, the poetry, lyrics. Because right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting a little confused. I was like, Eric, <laughs> that's really <laughs> underhand. No, no, no. You stopper. <laughs> She wrote the words, he set them to music. I'm just thinking of Jamie Lannister. Sorry, carry on. (laughs) Carry on. So, um, what you're going to hear at the beginning of the piece is, um, in free tempo, what's called, not to get too technical, it's called (laughs) aleatoric, basically. Oh, jeez. So, it's... um, quite a, a modern a modern technique uh-huh. whereby it's not in free it's in free time it's not in strict tempo and is different basically every time you perform it so it's up to the individual performers to sort of come in time wherever they want oh, that's really cool. so they're conducted to an extent but it's free bong bong free bong is what they're doing basically mm. um so let's have a listen to it and listen to the beautiful beautiful noises that old uh, Eri wee has written for us <laughs> 
can't wait. It's lovely, isn't it? Really, really. Mm. That was fantastic. And I was frantically searching for a pen, Chris saw, because I was <laughs> desperate to write down the word flutter. <laughs> Fluttering. It, just I just to remind yourself in those two I minutes. I have to say it after. Um, the, it was really pretty, like a kind of, sorry, this is really lame, but like the fluttering of like a wing, you know, yeah. there's like... Yeah, well, so um, like I said before, it's, it's the sound of snow, basically. And um, so yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. So the opening to it, there's sort of an official explanation and my own interpretation. So the official oh, explanation dear. is... Bear with me here. Um, it's really sweet, actually. So it's the exact pictures of uh, a nearby cathedral bell. So when they lived together in Germany, oh, they'd always get woken stop. up by the bells of this cathedral. Oh, and so that's why the singers no. are singing like bong bong. Sweet there. Lord. Super cute, that's right? That's so romantic. I want to vom. <laughs> In a good way, Eric, I promise. It's lovely. Um, but to me, it sounds a bit like snow falling, which is what the text of the yeah, piece is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought it was quite interesting because that's a, 
for all the the modernity of the piece, that's actually a super old technique. It's word painting, which I guess Handel did famously yeah, in lots of yeah, his pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, so word painting briefly is basically where the music reflects the meaning of the text. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if you talk mm-hmm. about going up a mountain, the singer will sing really high. If you're talking about going to a valley, the singer will sing really low. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, yeah, to me, it sounds a bit like snow sort of gently falling. It definitely falling did. And it definitely down. evoked that. Mm. Yeah. Um, not really that much to say other than it's just a really really beautiful piece and, so that's... and Eric Whittaker for anyone that, that enjoyed that please go and, and listen to his other pieces oh, such a my favourite that we may play on this um, another time is called Cloudburst that that is one of a fantastic piece you should listen to that as well but th- this was really beautiful and I never heard this one before mm. yeah so it's one um, of five um, all five equally just really really nice mm. just beautiful tunes um, yeah check them out cool so that's first piece Eric Whittaker done tick that classical podcast is coming okay so now it's my turn right Alrighty. um the piece so the composer of my piece is called john adams and mm-hmm. i know what you're all thinking you must all be thinking what kelly the second president of the united states but no <laughs> no anyway sorry it's a guy called john adams he's american um oh, and he wrote this piece called and excuse my terrible German accent, Christopher. I'm not sure I'll be able to. Harmonielehrer. <laughs> Harmonielehrer. 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 Close enough. We got yeah. there. We got there in the end with friendship. <laughs> um, so uh, it's called Harmonielehrer. And um, I guess r- roughly translated, it's like the book of harmony mm. or uh, treaties on harmony. And uh, yeah, right. This is what the... In- Thanks, internet. <laughs> so... That title is actually the title of a massive book on tonal harmony, mm-hmm. uh, amongst other things, by um, Schoenberg, Arnold oh, right, Schoenberg, okay. um, that was published in 1911. And um, I mean, Schoenberg uh, was um, massive in the sort of modern classical movement. Well, he's well known for basically sort of yeah. ignoring the rules he, of tonality. He, he's like basically. modern music with a capital M, I would say. <laughs> and he developed something called uh, the 12 tone method, which is something that's. Uh, also referred to as serialism mm. which i won't go into now but it's just it's it's, it's all to do with conflict yeah right? and and people were massively influenced by him yeah oh, my really <laughs> great serial jokes just went completely <laughs> Sorry, unnoticed i actually just heard that in my head and it was really funny it deserves more it deserves more time but i don't have it i disrupted you carry on serialism serialism uh which yeah people took and, and ran with and they thought schoenberg was a god blah blah, blah. and funnily enough um I was sort of reading this and just assumed that naturally it would say, yes, and John Adams was obviously a massive fan of this and that's why. Mm. John Adams hated Schoenberg <laughs> and as a mark of his rebellion um, and as sort of to take the piss almost, okay. he wrote this set, this set of three pieces, three movements. Oh, that were named after Schoenberg's just thing. Just to take but... the piss <laughs> out of that's Schoenberg so and like... I don't know. Wait, when I take the piss out of someone, I just tend to do a funny voice. Like, yeah, like I don't write orchestral <laughs> masterpieces. I'll stretch to maybe a tweet, but I'm not going to write <laughs> yeah. a whole. Like. Um, because the way, I guess the way he was, he was, it was like taking the Michael. Um, <laughs> by making his piece, this piece you're going to hear, it's part one of the, the Harmony Lira. Mm-hmm. Um, How many parts are there? Three. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about them in just one moment. Oh, I'm very excited. So he made this, um, th- this piece minimalist, but also very romantic, kind of oh, sort okay. of very, um, just b- with real beautiful expressions, you know, and, okay. and, and it's, it's really interesting. You will, uh, you'll hear in a sec. So part one is the one we're going to listen to, mm-hmm. but there are three parts. So it's part one, 
And then the Ant Fortas wound. Okay. And by the way, he was massively influenced by medieval kind of stories. Sounds and like he's got a lot of influences yeah, going on. Yeah, it's great. It's great, isn't <laughs> it's it? Confusing. But Ant Fortas, this is really interesting too, um, was a king in sort of ancient in medieval mythology that his wounds could never heal. Oh, that's like reverse Wolverine. Could you imagine if you had like a paper cut that never healed? That would suck. And it just ruined your day. Or, or ruined or... your entire life. <laughs> I mean, let alone, like, an arrow to the right. knee. Um, anyway, uh, and then the last one is called uh, Meister Eckhart. Uh, sorry, Eckdart and Quacky. Quacky was the name of his daughter when I'm, she was a little kid. I'm just going on with all these He's a bit mad, anyway. He sounds absolutely bonkers. So let me, let me, let's get down to brass tacks. Um, this part one, it's 17 minutes long. We're not going to listen to all 17 minutes. All right. Written in 1984 or 5. Um... Right, I've got to be, I've got to level with you, Chris, and I've got to level with everyone. Right. Um, this piece <laughs> is about um a gigantic super tanker coming into the San Francisco Bay. Okay. And turning into a spaceship. <laughs> this sounds like the most bizarre. Okay, so he's. Writing a massive piece of music to take the piss out of Schoenberg, who was all about serialism. He's ignoring that and is doing sort of minimalism, but also expressionism uh, in three parts about medieval kings whose wounds can't heal, yeah. um, about a super tanker in San Francisco that's right. actually a spaceship. Right. Have I got all that right? You've actually, yes, got all that right. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> and you take the piss out of me for like imagining scenes and stories behind classical music. But this guy, this guy. takes the whole cake, is what I would say. Wow. Um, and also, he got that idea from a dream, right? I mean, of course, yeah, How sure. fantastic is a dream where a big boat becomes a spaceship? I had a dream the other night that my dad was a turtle. And I, I don't think I could write an opera about that. At all. I mean, they, I could try. try hard enough. Um, I mean, a dream, or did he short. take lots and lots of psychotropic drugs? Are you talking about, oh, he? Him. Um, I mean, have you? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, but what a, what a brain he's got. Great. Um, anyway, so, yeah, without further ado, let's, uh, let's listen.
me apologize for not preparing anyone <laughs> anyone for that start chris was not prepared i was not prepared he almost spilled his drink it's classical gabba music that's what it is um go on youtube gabba music if you don't know what it is and oh it's dear that. lord if you feel brave um yeah what did you think chris did you like it i did yeah it was um it's very super tankery. You can hear the super tanker. You know tanker. what is fantastic? I mean, you know, it's not the most beautiful piece of music in the world, but by God, but by it goes Joe. on. It goes on later, doesn't it? So later, after it's turned into the spaceship, yeah, 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 it's it really lyrical and, and nice. Also, I think. And and I think whilst it's turning into the spaceship, you kind of do hear it. You know, the bit towards the end of the clip I played. It's a bit like Sailor Moon. Well, like, I just imagine like the like, <laughs> just like the cannons turning into like flowers. I don't know. Um, not that a super tanker has cannons. I don't think. Depends what kind of super tanker <laughs> it is. Depends what it's used um, for. Tweet us. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's it. And uh, yeah, later on, as Chris was saying, it does get very romantic, very swoopy. And a bit, for me, actually, not just because it's in space, but a bit Star Warsy. Mm. Something to do with the strings. John Williams. Um, very John Williams, yeah. Mm. Um, sort of Indiana Jones-esque. Um, but anyway, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed. And a bit Matrixy as well. <laughs> with the horns, the kind of like, brr, 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 reminds me of the Matrix. It's just got a lot of influences from all over the shop, <laughs> so doesn't it, relevant, really? guys. So relevant. Amazing. Uh, yeah, great. That classical podcast. If I say the name Arvo Pet to you, does it mean anything? No. Well, it should, you <laughs> muppet. Um, Arvo Pet is the next composer we're going to talk about, who is um, an Estonian man, was born in 1935. Estonian man. Did I say that? No, I, no. An Estonian man <laughs> no, no, yes, yes. from Estonia. Uh-huh. Um, you should know him. He's one of the more celebrated living composers, I'd say. Um, okay. Just really, 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 really fantastic, in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, born, grew up in Estonia. Mm-hmm. Um, emigrated from there about 1980. So obviously this was like Soviet times. So I had a bit of, bit of trouble with that. Then ended up in Berlin and now lives sort of half in Berlin, half in Tallinn. So, you know emigrated during soviet times it was a little bit tricky oh. but it worked out <laughs> yeah so he is known for two things two styles really um holy minimalism and tintinabuli say what <laughs> say what holy holy minimalism in that he writes uh, lots and lots of uh choral pieces as well but in a minimalist style so lots <laughs> yeah. of sacred music but that is minimalist like away in a manger but minimalist exactly like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, the piece I'm going to play to you today is in this Tintinabuli style. Mm-hmm. So Pet came up with his own genre. Isn't that the coolest it's thing the you've ever heard of? It is that the is dream. It is the dream, yeah. Um, so Tintinabuli is based on Latin word for bells. Basically, it's about making instruments sound like bells, even when they're not bells. Are you with me? Intriguing. They're not bells, but they sound like bells. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. So the way he does this is um, that one instrument rather than playing chords or anything we'll be playing the triad so the the main notes of the chord basically whilst another piece another part plays the melody so it sounds i mean not really but it kind of is is yeah, meant to no, sound no, no. Like the bells. idea is that yeah yeah exactly um and so he first started doing this style in about 1976 so it's 1968 he sort of retreated from public life didn't put anything out for a few years um well, what was, a you're such a fan of libeling Too far. living composers. <laughs> no, it's just a joke. Carry on, carry on. So, 
he came out with his mm, style uh-huh. uh, in 1976, and nice. the uh, piece we're going to listen to today was written in 1977. Okay. And it's called Tabula Rasa, which means clean slate. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and we're going to listen to... It's, so it's in two movements. The whole thing's about half an hour long. We're going to listen to the first of the two movements, which is called Ludum. Ludus, rather, which means game. Lovely. So I should warn you, all those people listening at home, that so this starts off... It's, it's scored for two solo violins, a prepared piano, so a piano with sort of nuts and bolts and stuff attached to all the strings. Oh, cool. And a chamber orchestra. Mm. Um, so it starts off with the violins playing like the very highest and the very lowest note they can at the same time. And then there's eight bars of silence. So don't worry, we haven't left you. The podcast hasn't broken. <laughs> it hasn't just ended without yeah, any... The, yeah. the, that's written into the music. So this comes across periodically. So it's these really high and low notes, a few bars of silence, plays a theme, some more silence, then variations on the theme. And I so can't wait. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. Let's just have a listen, shall we? Thank you. 
Yes, that was, I think, quite a good example of the Tintinambuli. I hope you guys managed to make it through the really, really really long rest. I couldn't believe that that was a... So that was the piano, the kind of plong-plong. The thing we heard right at the end, the plong-plong. So that's used in... um, John Cage is really famous composer for doing prepared piano stuff. So um, it's... So it's not just sort of random chuck whatever you like into the piano. It's usually sort of like fairly strictly laid out. So mm. i.e. this note will have a bolt screwed to it. This note sure, will have a bit sure. of wood on top of it yeah, yeah. Um, to get sort of completely different sounds out of a piano, basically. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, Arvo I think he's sort of, he's really quite a seminal composer, I think. I so mean, the, I thought that was, that was really wonderful. Mm, I really did enjoy that. I read, it's not, perhaps not the cheeriest story, anecdote we're ever going to tell on the podcast, but um, (laughs) I was researching this piece, the second half of the second movement is called Silentium Silence, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was used a lot in the 80s in palliative care for AIDS patients. Oh, really? Um, And they called it the angel music, and they asked to hear the angel music, so if you're interested, I really, really would recommend listening to the second movement, which is just sort of like to my mind just well i absolutely absolutely will do that you better Um, i this rarely happens to me so i know we're like classical music fans but like one who actually sits there you've got to be honest you've got to be honest no one has ain't nobody got time for that that. (laughs) but actually when i was looking around thinking you know i want to do some pet what piece can i do i literally sat down and just did nothing but listen to this piece for half an hour because i just yeah yeah, i think it's really really great well thanks anyway that's enough sincerity (laughs) enough of that (laughs) back to that classical podcast (laughs) um right yeah so i guess um it's my it's the final piece now it's the final piece (laughs) that was such a fail um yeah um i felt because my i don't know if you realize but my first piece was a bit um intense left field shall we say (laughs) um i went niche i went rogue again um (laughs) so i thought for my for my other piece i would slightly simplify things Mm -hmm. simplify simplify Um, now I'm gonna do a piece by Jan Tiersen. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, following on from what I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't feel like modern classical music has to be anything particularly weird or no, fancy. Definitely not, definitely not. Um, I think Jan Tiersen is the perfect example of something that is just really lovely. Just a lovely melody, just nice re- to listen to. And really to. Yeah. memorable. Exactly. Um, and this song, the, the piece that I'm gonna play, uh-huh. always. Always splats a, a smile on my face. Splats it a really smile splats, on your face. It really splats a smile <laughs> on my face. Um, because I think of it, I think of teaching it to myself when I was 14 Very at good. my piano. Where might we know this piece from, <laughs> Kelly? Well, there's a little film called Amélie. Uh, Amélie Poulain. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to be playing Comptine d'un autre été, après-midi. That was my French accent. Très You're welcome. Um, and it literally means, and I didn't know what Contine meant mm-hmm. until earlier today. <laughs> I googled it, but it means a ch- sort of a children's rhyme, doesn't yeah. it? So it means a children's rhyme of another summer day afternoon. And it's just it's used in the film. I'm a huge fan of the film. Who isn't? But Who um, isn't? you know, Jan Tiersen, Jan Tiersen himself, he's not strictly a, a classical composer. I think that's important to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he considers himself one either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this piece, I think it has, like, minimalist undertones. And it's it's quite, it's, yeah, I sort of took that and ran with it. And I didn't like, um, but I like the story behind it. So um, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who was the director of Amélie, mm-hmm. it was, it's really sweet how he, he sort of happened upon Jan Tiersen. He was driving in the car with one of his assistants, sort of production assistants. And I think... Ran over you. Yeah, yeah, ran, yes. uh, No, and... Um, 
they put on a CD, one of Jan Tiersen's other albums, oh, nice. and the the director was like, "This man, he is <laughs> I must have him in and, my and film." And sort of bought all the back catalogue of all his um, oh, music, so and then commissioned him to write for Amelie. Oh, amazing. Um, but look, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this piece, but it is just one that you will remember. It's one that like everyone you loves to listen it. to. You just enjoy it. You just enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy it now. Here we go. Oh my god, it's like we're in the film. We are, we are Amelie. <laughs> Nous sommes Amelie. Guys, if you need a sequel, <laughs> we're talking to Jean-Pierre Jeunet right now. We're you know, just we're on the talks. other end of the phone there, Monsieur Jeunet. We're um, waiting for the call. We can't wait. Um, but you know, that that is, I like to think that is just a piece that it would be difficult to dislike. Um, I don't sure. know if modern you dislike classic. it. The modern classic, the, yeah. the, the very, the very meaning the of very the modern classic. Of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, please tell me if, if you hate that piece. Please tweet us because I don't think I've met anyone that dislikes and it. And we'll come and fight you in person. Fight you. Um, <laughs> if you want to meet yeah. the host of that classical podcast <laughs> and fight us, just tell us you don't like that piece. There we go. That classical podcast. The end is nigh. The end is now, mate. Oh, sorry. I was being Northern Irish. The end is nigh. Hi, hi, nigh. Brian Kai. Wait, no, wait. Par shar and half an hour. <laughs> yep. The end is nigh. Right. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for listening to episode five, everybody. Uh, if hey, you yes. did like it, 
Please do get in touch with us on Twitter. You can follow us. We're at that classical. On Instagram, we are at that classical insta. Yes, you're getting better every week. Oh, uh, you can send us an email. We're that classical email at gmail.com. Darn too. And most importantly, uh, if you felt so inclined, if you could give us a little review on iTunes, that would be really, really gratefully appreciated. Please, and please do. We will uh, we will absolutely love you if you do that. It mm. helps us out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Brill, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.